Sean Fain likes to call this a defining moment uh, for his union. This is a defining moment for Biden and, mm. uh, and, and what has become known as Bidenomics. He has staked his claim on this idea that we can rebuild domestic capacity, uh, cut carbon emissions, and make them good jobs simultaneously. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Bituation Room Podcast, live with me, your host, Francesca Fiorentini. Well, thank you so much for pressing play. Thank you so much for stopping by, for clicking on the things, for liking and sharing the stream. If you're watching on YouTube and Twitch live, what up? Oh, we've got such a good show today. Um, executive editor of The American Prospect, David Dayan, is here. Uh, American Prospect is a friend of this show. Um, and in fact, if you are a patron of this show, you get deep discounts to the actual physical version of the American Prospect. So uh, don't sleep on that. Um, but also comedian and writer Aaron Dewey Lennox is here once again. Very excited. Uh, one of my faves as we near the 200th episode of this goddamn program. Um, episode 200 is next week, you guys. Uh, I wish I had like something super fun lined up you know um i wish like i had taught my cat to like sing the intro song at this point but like the old one that people miss um alas i have not but we are gonna have a very good show um jason selvig of the good liars is gonna be here as well as i believe aaron ryan of hysteria podcast um on crooked media is also going to be my guest so it's gonna be a fire show and also it's going to be a show that I need your help with because we've established a Google Voice phone number. And even though this graphic looks a little bit like a love hotline or kind of a 900 number right now, we want you to leave us a message. All right. Leave the Bituation Room. Leave me a message. You can tell me uh, what your favorite episode has been, who your favorite guests are, either comedic or otherwise what your favorite segment you want us to bring back is anything at all. Make it short. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't wax too long, but no, would love to hear from all of you, all of the listeners, all, all of the viewers leave a voicemail. We will play them. So that is a caveat. We will play them. I will, no one's going to know your phone number, however, but the phone number is 626-921-6045, 626-921-6045. Send us messages of love, um, good tidings for the 200th episode. What do you want to see in the next hundred? Any questions, any thoughts, uh, comments, concerns? I accept all of them. So do that. And, uh, that's for everybody. Um, so really excited to, I know I've only given you guys a week start, but I believe in you. If you're listening to this at the last moment, just, it could be 30 seconds. It could be nothing. Um, just call in. Um, and, uh, and also, like I mentioned, I hope you're a patron of this show. I hope that uh, having gone 200 episodes strong with no one financially backing this program except for you, uh, uh, with all of your um, hard-earned dollars kicking it to a labor of love over here and my small but awesome team, um, I hope I've earned 
your Patreon dollars. So patreon.com slash habituation room is where you go to support this show. And not only do you get access to this show, not only do you get access to 20% off merchandise, not only do you get access to deep discounts on the American Prospect, but you get to watch and listen back to a treasure trove of bonus bishes, which is my Friday solo stream. Uh, it's free to watch live if you're there, but if you want to watch back, if you want to listen back, if you want, you know, if you missed the story, hey, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, whatever, even a buck, you can lower it. Yeah. Cheat sheet, man. You just lower the amount you're giving a month. Anything counts. Everything is wonderful. Um, last week, we had a very fun time talking about the um, the aliens that were on display in the Mexican Congress that turned out to be, um, which I later learned after reading. Well, first of all, the dude is a crank who uh, brought them forth. Uh, he has spoken to the Virgen de Guadalupe. But to be fair, a lot of Latinos say that they've spoken to the Virgen de Guadalupe. So it's not it's not that crazy to be like, yes, I saw the Virgen in my, you know, pozole or whatever. Sorry. But um, I had pozole the other night. Also, I'm racist. Um, but I also, uh, I learned after that, Apparently, the skull of said alien <laughs> um, was a llama skull turned around. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and that some of their arms were just like femur bones of humans. Anyway, look, you can't blame a man for trying, okay? He tried, and that's what matters. If you don't know what I'm talking about, hey, become a become a patron. Uh, or you can also become a member on YouTube. Very easy to do that. Just click the join button. You can also be a member on Twitch and anything. Uh, all of that stuff supports this little show. But with that, guys, let's get into it. Le what are you bitching about? Tuesday, September 19th. Let's go. Okay, so I'm not necessarily bitching about this. I am celebrating uh, young women who uh, know know what's up, who are uh, not going to be fooled um, by um, the pickup artist industrial complex of being a man on the internet that tells their uh, their poor, their poor colleagues, their friends, their schoolmates that uh they just gotta nag women and they just gotta have a lot of bitches like andrew tate um and be like really buff um or joe rogan who says you know you don't need to get vaccinated um also uh we're gonna platform a bunch of white supremacists also uh when you help trans kids live their truth you are um i don't know hurting them grooming them somehow and somehow that's his business um because a new study came out that said that millennial and gen z women find partners listening to joe rogan's podcast a red flag ha 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 fucking ha you 60 million however many million of sad sad listeners and don't get me wrong Women listen to Joe Rogan too. Yes, I had to break up with my hairdresser because she listens to Rogan. She's one of those like, I'm vegan and I listen to Rogan. Also, I won't get vaccinated. And I was like, I really like your haircuts, but we can, you know, hasta aquí llegamos. You know what I'm saying? And so 
But anyway, I'm not saying that, but it's a lot of dudes. It's a lot of dudes. You know who you are. You know who they are. And it turns out uh, Pussy is allergic to Joe Rogan. Who would have thought? I thought it was the other way around. We're told constantly that, you know, Rogan, like, gets it. You know what I'm saying? But no, actually, he's a red flag. So many of his, uh, again, like, fellow agro podcasters are red flags but this was this study that just came out um and it was according to a, ch a change research which is a bay area based polling firm which i believe it was if it was just the bay i call bullshit on this study because i'm like yeah obviously if they listen to me they're like ew she's a lib you know what i'm saying in the bay like i am terrible well it depends on which bay we're talking about of course uh, the neo-libs in the bay also hate me so but um uh, read, surveyed a thousand voters between ages 18 to 34 to ask them about their political leanings, dating preferences, and the upcoming presidential election. Um, the research revealed that 55% of women found it a turnoff for a partner to listen to the Joe Rogan experience, while 53%, and this is great, said it was off-putting for a love interest to refuse to see Greta Gerwig's summer blockbuster Barbie. I mean, that to me is almost bigger. Like, I don't know who's bigger. They're both huge, but it's true. Like, if you're... If, if you're like a heterosexual man who's like not like thinks Barbie is just for women. Oh, you have so much to learn. So much to learn. Let Ken, let a beautiful specimen of supposed heterosexuality, uh, Ryan Gosling, show you the way. Um, but no. Uh, so I love this. I love that. However, the biggest red flag for young women was a potential partner to identify as a MAGA Republican with more than 76 percent of those polled admitting this would make them wanting to want to run for the hills. Um, so here's this whole like red flags. Um, <laughs> I love how it's like 66 percent. 76% of women say identify as MAGA Republican. 59% say, yeah, it's a turnoff for women to identify as a MAGA Republican. Also having no hobbies. Also saying all lives matter. Also saying there are only two genders. This is what we're talking about, people. We're talking about an entire party whose mouthpieces and whose political ideology, again, runs every vagina dry throughout the land. Right? Where did all the water go? It went into the fucking teardrop of Brett Kavanaugh as he cried on the stand. Do you like beer? That was the sound of every single concha just sucked. No more. So every time a fucking agro meathead ass mofo says that he knows how to get bitches or he knows what people want or uh, this is his thoughts on marriage or this is his thoughts on life or this is his thoughts on politics or this is these are his thoughts generally just know you you know alex jones once said the frogs are turning the water's turning the frogs gay the the men are turning women gay that's what i have to say the men right now mm-mm mm-mm um, I'm, I love that so hard. Let's ignore the part of that stat where only 4% of, uh, Gen Z have like hope in the future. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just stick to the Rogan news. Cause that's a win. Give this podcast five stars and $60 million. Thank you, Spotify. Uh, and for all of the people who say in the comments, because it's going to get clipped up, and they're going to be like, you're fucking jealous. It's not even about that. Rogan's actually really smart. Blah, 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 blah. 
you know, welcome. Welcome to the Frantifa. I hope you sit. I hope you learn. I hope you listen. Uh, and I hope you get off the Joe Rogan experience because um, it is uh, it's not leading down a good path. You want don't you want partnership and love? That's where the, everyone you know how many people in the chat are fucking right now? Everybody's fucking. OK. All right. With that, before I get too off, because it's been about 15 minutes on this. <laughs> Let me bring in for the rest of the show, writer, comedian based in Los Angeles, who's written for the SB Awards, the NFL Honors, the Academy Awards, and MF- MTV's, MFTV's, what's wrong with me? MTV's ridiculousness. Please welcome Aaron Lennox. Hello. Oh, I was waiting for applause. <laughs> I, I mean, I do give the stand-up <laughs> intro, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. we should, with that, I should have a soundboard that has that. <laughs> I'm just used to getting applauded when I when I enter a room. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, is... like the little trigger on on the doorway <laughs> clap to my children clap yeah 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 <laughs> applause um i love that uh those that stat i also wanted to add that my cousin who is now an environmental lawyer and is super hot when she was in college she was dating this dude who had like a tiktok about like dating rules oh god and <laughs> my family all reacted like she told us he was a convicted pedophile. <laughs> we were like, we were like, run! This is bad. <laughs> but it was actually and, just him singing like Dua Lipa, like one to make up the phone. <laughs> I don't know how. That no, it goes. was it was bad. He, That's we were so right. funny. Did they break up soon after? Yeah, because he was like, not a good you're an environmental <laughs> lawyer. He's making TikToks what about dating rules. <laughs> so insane what people will do for a tall Jewish dick, you know, penis, you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you're just speaking my language. This is my life. (laughs) Don't I know it? (laughs) Um, Erin, what are you bitching about this episode 199th? Here's what I want to bitch about. I want to bitch about uh, partners, spouses, significant others, co-parents who decide to um, take up endurance sports uh you know Uh-oh. one year into a child's life <laughs> oh if you will notice that what's the what would you guess like the average age of people starting to do like triathlons or like marathon 43 training yeah and how old do you think their kids are when they start doing that <laughs> two 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 <laughs> to three is when they're suddenly like you know what i have to go run for four hours on a saturday <laughs> excuse me <laughs> um i also will say this... that now i'm doing it but it's only because <laughs> my husband started doing it and i was like to complain at this game <laughs> oh you have to run for two hours today oh no so no do I. I have to run i actually have to run for two hours today which is so crazy that i don't know who's gonna watch these kids <laughs> that is such a good but like you're trying to beat him at his own game. It should just be like, I have to go like do a full body wax. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is also an endurance sport. If you're, if you think about it, it is, it is. And I would do neither of those things, neither full body wax or marath- running a marathon. Okay. I like this strategy of reclaiming your time. Um, because, uh, yeah. Cause he, he's also- I mean, he has bad knees. So I feel like you're in pretty good shape. Oh, if, if my husband wanted to get in shape, I'd be like, yes, honey. Yes. 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 <laughs> that's how they get you. But that's how they get you. <laughs> like, you go, of course I support you being healthy. Right, right, right. Like, oh, you don't support me? Well, I've got to go for six hours. 
Hey, why am I why are all your long runs are on a Saturday and Sunday and he's like that's when the races are like, okay no 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 yeah see that I'd have a problem with but I don't know if it's better than CrossFit because I know like that's also culty and whatever but um yeah Cross, CrossFit I feel like is is dying out is just it just like Marjorie Taylor whatever her name is yeah Doesn't yeah, she yeah. Do it? Doesn't yeah she do it she, she does the tires she was just training for Jan six. And now that that's done, she's like, I don't need this. <laughs> now that we're not scaling the wall. I don't need to do no, this. it is really hard to like carve out time. And it's just, yeah, it, uh, I, in terms of like what you have to like make a list as parents, like, what do you, what do you value? What is sacred to you? And like, um, I have not done any of this. I've not like done that. All I want to do is yoga once a week. I still haven't fucking done that. The baby's almost a year. You know what I mean? I still just can't. I find excuses every because you also find excuses to not work out. That's the other thing. Where I'm like, sure. Um, Any kids are a great excuse to not work out. Oh, always, always. You're like, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna work out because I'm strong. No, my entire middle is just like Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's a good thing you to, just about. to start getting. You have to start getting petty. That's the thing. Your priority has to be pettiness, <laughs> then you will start taking your time. Oh, back. I'm petty as shit. Uh, <laughs> but no, here's what I think. I think you and Billy need to run like you need to race each other, and whoever wins, whoever comes in the better time, um get you know whatever like has to watch the kid which i know <laughs> sucks he would win i know He's faster. Uh, no he um people are like though oh that's cute you like do you train together and it's like no he's doing this to escape our family and i'm doing it because i'm petty <laughs> <laughs> that is where we're at and that's just where we're at <laughs> that's so real that's so real yes another comedic mom comedic mom i hate that another mom who's a comic come there we go well, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about uh some climate stuff very soon you have one of the best i think climate change jokes and uh, also a parent joke <laughs> you can tell it when we get to it um but let's get into what happened this week um a lot of things including a little handsiness from lauren bobert in a theater um Ooh. yeah and uh John Fetterman changing the entire Senate rules of how to dress, which I'm very much for. Because <laughs> um, let me just say, you you know who, who I'm talking about, John Fetterman, Fetterman. Yeah, Fetterman. I didn't see his new look. Well, he's got, it's the same look, but they're allowing the, they're changing the Senate rules so that there's no more dress code. It was like not really a dress code, but kind of was. Kirsten Cinema had already like completely trounced that dress code for just coming and looking like Big Bird and like she looked like she was dressed as a Halloween costume of herself every day. <laughs> Absolutely, but like now a big like, box store, like you'd buy it in a bag and it'd be like Kirsten Cinema somehow got a feather hat and you're like, why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No. And like little mini backpack. Um. <laughs> she looked. She was going to a rave. I'm yeah. suddenly realizing. Yeah, all the time, all the time. I'm pretty <laughs> sure she like microdoses on the floor too. And she's like, whatever, it keeps me fresh. Um, but no, John Fetterman is now allowed to wear his like massive like uh, hoodies and shorts. And my initial instinct was like, oh, I guess that isn't that senatorial, right? But at the same time, he's such a large man. I He's so tall. I don't know if he actually is seven feet, but he feels like he's seven feet that like, People like that shouldn't be in suits. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like you, that is just too much suit. That's too much. 
you know, I think like a hoodie, it's like that, that calms everyone down a little bit. Yeah. You know? If he used to wear a suit, it's going to contribute to like the supply chain issues again of just <laughs> getting <laughs> that much fabric in is exactly going to be tough. Absolutely. It um, is funny though, that he's going to be like, I have to wear a hoodie. I'm depressed. <laughs> You're like, this is the uniform of the uh, yeah. people with people uh, with mental yeah, exactly. And he's been struggling. Exactly. I say do it. And he's kind of like back. I feel like this week he's very much back. He's like got zingers all over Twitter. He, you know, you know, when the impeachment of Biden was announced, he was like, oh, no, I'm scared. Like he's sassy. He's sassy. He's back. <laughs> Whatever it takes for him to be operated 100 um, percent. I'm with it. So good on Schumer for that. Uh, but wither our eyes because Kirsten Cinema is going to come like <laughs> It's going to be the fucking mess. How tiny are the backpacks going to get? Yeah. It's going to be ridiculous. All right, but let's get into it. There's two stories we got to get to, but so much happened this week. This is the week where. So this was the week where. This was the week where. We learned um, scabbing comes at you real fast. Uh, Oh, boy. Oh, wow. And that uh, bullying, when it comes to not crossing a picket line, apparently it works. And now we're pro-bullying, I guess, um, because uh, this week, both Drew Barrymore, uh, who has her show Drew, and um, Bill Maher, <laughs> who has his show uh, I'm Not Relevant, are we? Like, whatever old that show. Time. Old time yeah. with Bill Maher. <laughs> old times with Boom like irrelevant boomer bill maher um <laughs> they both reverse course after saying that they were going to start their show up in fact drew barrymore started her show up let's start with her we talked about it last week um i looked into their net worth they're all worth kind of they're like drew's worth 127 million bill maher 140 according to the internet oh, wait drew barrymore is worth 127 million Bill Maher's worth more. It's got to be more than that. She's been working since birth. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but these child actors. No way. They get screwed. I mean, she really is the victim. She has been the victim for luck. No, it's true. There's probably, she might have more homes than him. I don't know. But anyway, she, uh, she announced that she was coming back last week. Then they started taping. They started, they were kicking out people who had like pins that were in support of, you know, the WGA. Um, writers picketed the show and then she sent out this tearful video about how she was really sorry but she was still <laughs> going to film um and then life came at her real fast but just just so you know how cringe this was and i don't know if you've been subjected to this video i'm going to subject this audience oh, to this it. video there's a huge question of the why why am i doing this <laughs> well um i certainly couldn't have expected this kind of attention um, and, um, we aren't going to break rules and we will be in compliance. I wanted to do this because as I said, this is bigger than me and there are other people's jobs on the line. And since launching live in a pandemic, I just wanted to make a show that was there for people in sensitive times. And I weighed the scales and I thought if we could go on during a global pandemic and everything that the world has experienced through 2020, 
why would this sideline us? <gasps> oh my God. It's, oh, this is why they need writers. Like you shouldn't, <laughs> someone should have written this. This is, you're saying everything wrong. No, and then, <laughs> this is bigger than me. Yeah, bitch. It's bigger than you. Exactly. Precisely. <laughs> A lot of people's jobs are on the line. Uh-huh. Keep yeah, going. That's the point. You're almost there. <laughs> exactly. You're so close to thinking outside of your own fucking privileged asshole. Like it's just, you're so close to empathy, Drew. And you, you really, you were able to fake it on your show so good. You know, I feel like if she actually were at the picket line, she'd like kneel down in front of all the strikers and be like, oh my God, you guys. <laughs> Tell me what it's like. Wow. Oh. So you just think of stuff in your head. My God. You know, um, but that was just a little slice. And it's so funny you say that because she opens the video saying, this is not, there's no PR here. And you're like, oh, we know. Because any tell. rep would tell you, don't, <laughs> don't do put this video out that's now been deleted. It's uh. also like, it's also when you reveal that you're not a good actress, it's, it's so funny to me because it's like it does feel similar and obviously it's more serious but equally funny in some ways when the imagine video came out in the beginning of covid when yes. all the actors were singing and it's like they think they're doing something good <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> we hate we hate this <laughs> yeah usually tells you what to say and you just do that well you do that well but when left to your own devices you cannot act like a human being give me the mexican aliens <laughs> yeah, I mean, also, like, if you're a millionaire and you have the privilege of your own show, just sit the fuck down, man. You know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there are a lot of A-listers who've donated to the strike fund. I think that's the move. But yeah. is, like, 127 million or 200 million or whatever she's actually worth, is that not enough for you? Like, what's going on here? Or you just so desperately want to be, you know, claim what you think is rightfully yours. Um, you're just, and you're so... Like, and I think in her reversal, people are being very kind to her. So she did actually back down. She said, I've listened to everyone and I'm making the decision to pause the show's premiere until the strike is over. I have no words to express my deepest apologies to anyone I have hurt. And of course, to our incredible team who works on the show and has made it what it is today. We really tried to find our way forward. And I truly hope a resolution for the entire industry very soon. That was written by a representative and by someone in PR. 100. Very smartly. Um didn't say anything like, uh, what was it, uh, astute humility? What the fuck does that even mean? I mean it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. <laughs> so she's reverse course. Let's go quickly to Bill Maher, who, if you don't remember earlier, he has this, his own podcast called uh, Club Random. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it's called? Is that what it's really called? smoking <laughs> cigars and drinking whiskey. Club Random. Hi. Club Random. Club Lit. Dude, this is like. It's like a like a father-in-law inviting you down to his like man cave and he has like a neon sign that says club random and then he and sits like, you down and he's like and then he's just like so but what about these trans and you're like oh yeah. Jesus fuck yeah and you're like I'm about to hear somebody racist here we go <laughs> so here he was um uh, speaking to um God now I'm blanking on his name you'll tell me this comic's name but uh his um, his thoughts, this was before he decided to come back and then before he decided he wouldn't come back, his thoughts about the strike. Here's Bill Maher in Club Random. They're better, asking for a lot better, of things. Like kooky, like what, what I find objectionable uh, about the 
philosophy of the strike, it seems to be they have really morphed a long way from 2007 strike, where they kind of believe that you're owed a, a, a living as a writer, and you're not. This, this is show business. This is a make or miss league. <laughs> you're owed a living to uh, make my show. I mean, that's exactly right. It's like, bro, writers work on your fucking show day in and day out. Writers are like weekend at burning your own career to make you still sort of funny and relevant. Yeah. His written segments are the funniest thing he has. Um, uh, yeah. And, and there he is. He's with uh, Jim Gaffigan. Also. Gaffigan. Um, yeah. Gaffigan, a classic. Man, yes, cla who pushes he's such a nice guy but he's like really trying to like gingerly push back like i don't know they're asked they're not asking <laughs> that much and it is true like look you shouldn't have to do a million jobs at the simultaneously to to work as a writer in hollywood just because it's fucking hollywood we all know that it's bullshit and i think it is interesting that this has come after the pandemic and that during the pandemic, to your point about imagine, right. And how tone deaf that was, how this pandemic is not affecting us all equally. Like it really is not the great equalizer. I think had this strike happened before the pandemic it would have been very different, but after it, when sort of, you know, we've had this labor uprising um, and all the sort of shine has come off these, you know, these celebrities in no small part, but basically on like, we seen your home. We seen where you zoom from and shit. Like, you know what I mean? And all these and all yeah. these executives who made hand over fist money as people just stream their lives away to get through these few years. Like, it's like I don't know. You can't say that anymore. Oh well, you're working in Hollywood. Yeah. Also, though, yeah, it's like we're sold a dream. Uh, we're th that we're supposed to. We should be grateful just to be working. And it's like, of course we we are, but it's still a job. And it's like, you're, sir, you're in front of the camera. Your your dream is being <laughs> supported by the people <laughs> who are writing the dumb stuff you say. Yeah. And and very sort of. I'm very glad he decided not to come back because he did. Because if that sounded like he was going to come back, he did announce last week that he was going to come back without the writers and so he was going to get rid of the monologue desk piece new rules and written pieces that he's so proud of on real time um he says but the heart of the show is an off-the-cuff panel discussion that aims to cut through the bullshit and predictable partisanship and that will continue you mean just like showcasing any fucking right-winger or billionaire and like like embarrassingly licking their boots in front of national an audience uh yeah that's what his show is so Imagine Bill Maher without those scripted segments. <laughs> I almost wish it had happened because it would have been such a, he would have so been so good. exposed as an idiot. So he is good. an idiot. Like, and I've worked on, as, uh, as you mentioned in my bio, I've worked on so many like award shows and things where you're telling someone giving a monologue what to say. Yeah. And I cannot can tell, tell you how much we have to contain famous people. <laughs> how much you're like, I promise you they don't want to hear a joke about this stripper that you uh, that you think is so funny. Like I or or right. like classic no, of like even award shows, sorry, like are scripted. Yeah. Like you're writing them. Of course. They every everything they say. I mean, sometimes someone will off the cuff make something funny off of a thing that's been written that's like laid a very beautiful, fertile bed for them to say something funny into. Sure. But like <laughs> yeah, there and also we're keeping them from saying the stuff that will make your skin hurt. <laughs> right, right, right. I promise right. you the zooms and the the meetings that happen before the award show happen is just us going, "Oh, actually, no." <laughs> don't <laughs> don't, don't do that. that. 
<laughs> yeah, don't don't do a five minute video where you're sort of in and out crying Drew Barrymore as you want us to feel bad for you. Don't, as we talked about, you know, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, like, wow, that apologize. Also, oh, so wow, bad. you're not good at acting. You're so bad, bad at acting. I know, make it look natural. Let's try it again. Let's go again. All right. But I will say, Bill back down. We talked about uh, my decision to return to work was made when it seemed nothing was happening and there was no end in sight to the strike. Now that both sides have agreed to go back to the negotiating table, I'm going to delay the return of real time for now and hope they can finally get this done. Bullshit. Bull, utter bullshit. That's not true. Um, he, yes, they're, they've resumed, I believe, have resumed talks. The fact that there hasn't been that much leaking going on is good because the AMPTP was leaking a lot of the initial discussions uh, between SAG and also WGA. So, uh, but that's such shit that he's like, no, no, he's, he's not doing it because of the backlash. And it's probably his own writers were like, yeah. this is, this is crap. And like, look, I don't know when it's going to end. I think it is very existential. And I think it is way bigger than Drew Barrymore. I think it is way bigger than Bill Maher. I think it's bigger than everybody. I think it is a really critical fight. And we're going to talk about another critical fight, but happening in the automotive industry. I just want to add one but it's so funny to be like, well, I started in a, what Drew Barrymore said. I started in a pandemic, and so I don't, you know, I want, I, I just want to bring people laughs through the hardship. And it's like, but the hardship is the strike, like the right exactly. <laughs> thing that's happening right now. That's tough. Is that, pe- like, we have to hold out in order to be we able to continue to for Los Angeles to exist. That's the other thing. Who do these billionaires think they're going to lord over? If people don't exist and can't live in the cities to to overrule, who are you overruling if we all can't have jobs? Like, yeah. so, at some point you have to just like let us exist. I mean, lightly. I don't know. I, I think don't underestimate Aaron, um, powerful people's desire to reign over ashes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. If you you would just have a kingdom of ash, and they're like, but I'm on the top floor. You look at me. Yeah, but, but there's nobody the working. There's nobody below you. Doesn't matter. I'm on the fucking top. I'm a corner office in a just a doo doo palace. And you're like, okay. <laughs> is that what it is? Because it's like, who do you think you're gonna rule over when Los Angeles doesn't exist? Because if if the if the writers and actors can't like afford to live here yeah the city doesn't exist (laughs) the Uh, the tax dollars it all goes away this whole town goes away i mean that wouldn't be a terrible thing for the for los angeles (laughs) 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 you just start over um no beginning of t2 exactly let's move on to our second segment because this was also the week where importantly although not getting tons of news coverage but um estimates this was the week where uh climate protesters showed up in New York and around the country um, for the climate march ahead of a UN climate ambition summit. Um, so again, this is off the back of the hottest August ever on record, the hottest August in 174 years, which right wingers are like, yeah, but in year 177, it was also hot, which they don't have any proof of, but they they love to say those kinds of things. <laughs> Um, this year will probably is already on record to be the hottest year or at least one of the top two. I believe the second hottest was 2016, um, but it has been hellacious. And so it's very wonderful that people have come out and we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on uh, in the UN. But here is uh, AOC at that climate march. She was headlining it. And I thought this was a really inspirational little got a little moment. Don't let the cynics win. The cynics. 
cynics want us to think that this isn't worth it. The cynics want us to believe that we can't win. The cynics want us to believe that organizing doesn't matter, that our political system doesn't matter, that our economy doesn't matter. And we're here to say that we organize out of hope. We organize out of commitment. We organize out of love. We organize out of the beauty of our future. And we will not give up. We will not let go. We will not allow cynicism to prevail. We will not allow our visions of a collaborative economy, of dignity for working people, of honoring the black, brown, indigenous, white working class. We will not give up. And that is what we are here to do today, to tell our leaders from President Biden to the UN General Assembly to the all of our elected officials that we demand to change. It will happen now. It begins today. It is occurring today. And it's because of you. Thank you, everybody. Okay, so yay. Yeah, that was uh, very moving. And obviously that was the end of this of this speech. And there was a lot of um, taking aim at Joe Biden. You know, uh, Biden's been sort of like talking out of both sides of his mouth on the issue. And we'll talk uh, with David Dayan about maybe, you know, how good or not good the Inflation Reduction Act was in terms of climate stuff. But, you know, it's like um, no new oil and gas leases in, you know, the the like Alaskan Wildlife Reserve, um, I believe in the Arctic, the same. That's the same thing. But so like that's good. But also like the Willow Project moves on and he approved that, you know. Um, also there's been no attempt to rein in like fracking, for example, that was a campaign promise. Um, so also not cutting ties with, you know, people like, or, or entities like Saudi Arabia that he said he would make a pariah, not just for their human rights abuses, but you know, our dependence on that oil and they have us, um, you know, wrapped around their fucking finger on that. So it was it was it's very good that they took aim specifically at biden like stopping fossil fuels biden sadly is not going to be speaking at this uh conference which is a prelude to cop 28 um which is happening in dubai um but it is it's this this different kind of summit and anthony gutierrez who's the you know un um secretary general has been on this like he that this is his thing this is his issue he's just like it's we are on the precipice of doom hello somebody <laughs> is this thing on um and what i like about this these talks it feels like it's a little bit different because um they're going to be talking about loss and damage which is basically pay um second world uh global south nations uh for destruction that they might be facing um for the re repercussions of the emissions that the first world that the United States, for example, is the leader of also pay them to not exploit, you know, any kind of fossil fuel reserves that they might have so that they can sort of monetarily benefit. That's going to be part of the talks this week. Um, Mr. Gavin Newsom, before I kick it to you, I'm sorry, Aaron, Gavin Newsom will also be there, Gav, uh, even though Biden won't be. Um, and he's doing some interesting things. Look, I don't hate I don't hate Gavin Newsom. Except on no, a, like, we all have that one X. <laughs> God, exactly. You mean we you all mean have, we all have a guilfoil? Yeah, <laughs> we all took photos on a bearskin rug with our X. Okay, we all would go to what's that restaurant that he went to in lockdown? I don't um, know. Chinese laundry. Francisco. yes, yes. 
my yeah. husband almost um we got in like one of the biggest fights of our lives because he wanted to go to that restaurant when, and I had just had surgery and I was like you can't leave me <laughs> god no <laughs> um but so California uh Gavin Newsom is going to be at this summit which I think is important California is now suing um oil giants for deceiving the public um and are, want they want damages basically um they want these oil companies Exxon Mobil Shell Chevron Conoco Phillips and BP to pay for recovery efforts in, you know, the wake of wildfire storms, other things that are hitting California because of climate change and because of their denialism and their peddling of uh, basically trying to cover it all up. Um, yeah, the, the loss. Yeah. Newsom said for more than 50 years, big oil has been lying to us, covering up the fact they've long known how dangerous fossil fuels are. They produce for our planet. California taxpayers shouldn't have to foot the bill for the billions of dollars of damages. You know, it feels a little bit more performative than maybe what it actually, you know. Uh, well, according to. to my cousin, who is now an environmental lawyer. That's right. Who yes. once dated and um, single. a TikToker. <laughs> oh, she's not single anymore. She's Damn got a, another attorney. Uh, but she was saying that that this is the only way to take on the companies at this point. Because um, litigation is the only avenue right now. Where, uh, where we're trying to curb what the companies are doing or like creating these huge like financial penalties is yeah one of the few ways we're chipping away at that because our government is too like owned by them. Exactly. So. And we are a litigious ass country. So fucking fight fire with fire. Let's go. Yeah. That I mean, maybe somehow similar to how they took out tobacco companies, right? Like how else did we, uh, you got to just start chipping away at the money. Absolutely. So maybe it isn't as performative as I'm saying, you know, I just, uh, you know, again, it's hard to have hope. <laughs> it is. It is hard to have hope. But then you've got AOC giving me chills. So I'm like, hell yeah, I love it. Let's go. Um, and, and like hats off to Anthony Gutierrez. We'll see what comes of this big, uh, you know, and en entities, why do I keep on calling them entities, but nations like China, UK, they're not there. They're not participating in the, this sort of summit, but also amazingly neither are ceos of these oil companies are participating in their summit you know they're always asked to speak at the cop uh uh climate summits they were not invited by anthony gutierrez this time around which is fucking sadly like that's the step we need and that's such a small step but um it's important um I want to bring in for the interview, for the sitch, we're going to talk about UAW. We're going to talk about Bidenomics. What are they? Um, where's my check? And uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about the looming shutdown, executive editor of the American Prospect, author of Monopolized Life in the Age of Corporate Power, and the winner of the 2021 Hillman Prize for Excellence in Magazine Journalism, David Dayan. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Francesca? Good. Um, meet Erin. She's great. Hello, nice to meet you, big fan. Same here. Thank you so much for waiting in the wings and for joining us uh, on this. I just, we were gonna talk about the UAW as a separate <clears> segment, <throat> but figured, you know, the prospect's been covering it um, so well. And there's also some like, the media narrative has been such shit around it that I wanted to get you to help us unpack what's going on. Um, okay. Yeah, so like, first off, you know, for those of you who don't know, it's been, since last Friday, the UAW decided to uh, start striking in three um, plants, specifically doing these stand-up strikes or like targeted strikes. Um, they're asking for 40% pay increase, a 32-hour work week, which I'm like, yes. Um, eliminating tiered compensation, which I think is really important. UPS had this, and the Teamsters had this same complaint. Um, 
And then here's President Sean Fain just yesterday breaking down a little bit more about what they're going through and then what they're going to do if they don't get their demands met soon. Take a look. The big three CEOs have increased their already massive salaries by an average of 40% over the last four years, while the companies have poured billions into stock buybacks and special dividends to enrich Wall Street. Car companies are fleecing consumers right now. In the past four years, the average price of a new car is up 30%. You think UAW wages are driving that increase? Think again. Our pay has risen a mere 6% over the last four years. If we don't make serious progress by noon on Friday, September 22nd, more locals will be called on to stand up and join the strike. That will mark more than a week since our first members walked out. And that will mark more than a week of the big three failing to make progress in negotiations toward reaching a deal that does right by our members. I, I love the countdown clock. We will call upon more plans <laughs> to walk out. Um, so, David, I guess your thoughts on on this particular union fight. Um, and I know that Biden has sent uh, officials over there or to Detroit. Is is that correct? I, I think he wanted to. And then uh, Sean Fain said, go away. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> like, they nah. sent him back. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I guess I'm, you know, Sean Fain's really like as a president kind of out in front, stepping mm -hmm. up, has these like incredible choice quotes. Um, I, I guess I wanted your thoughts on whether you think, I don't know, playing a little bit of, before we get into the weeds of this, mm -hmm. like, um, do you think the big three are scared? You know what I mean? We see that the, someone like the AMPTP, that entity doesn't seem all that concerned <laughs> and has let this other strike go on. Well, I, I think big three, uh, they're certainly off balance. I mean, uh, they've, they've doubled their initial offer, at least in terms of wages. They've gone from 9% to each, each of the big three are now offering a 20% wage increase over the life of the contract. I, I mean, that's 5% a year, which is, a, you know, not too far over what inflation is. So it's, you know, they, they could stand to do more given the record profits they have. But, um, but certainly they've brought up their offer. Uh, they're nervous about the uncertainty of this. I mean, the strike is unusual in that it's selective. Uh, it's, it's, uh, there's a, a, a kind of an attitude of escalation that's mm -hmm. tied into it. This, you know, if you don't give me something Friday, I'm going to strike more. They don't know where they are. There was a good story in The Intercept just broke about an hour ago about how the, 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 some of the companies had pre-positioned their materials because they thought, oh, this place is going to strike. So let's get our stuff out of there. And then that that location, it was misinformation. They didn't strike and they, they actually had nothing coming. Uh, to oh, actually wow. uh, uh, work on. So um, but, you know, I mean, this the context is that the auto industry is undergoing this huge transition. Uh, we're moving to electric vehicles um, in one sense that uh, sort of the party line that you hear is, well, there are fewer parts in electric vehicles, and so that's going to mean it cuts to workers. But uh, I found, and I have a story on this tomorrow, but there, there's an, this interesting thing that's been happening since the strike has gone on, mm -hmm. which is that workers who are not on strike, who are at the plants that are continuing to work without a contract, 
one of the tactics that workers are taking to contribute to the effort is to refuse voluntary overtime, mm. uh, which is endemic that periodically, all the time, really, uh, uh, workers are asked, hey, can you give me four more hours after your shift? Can you work through lunch? Can you work through your breaks? Um, that is a portrait of an industry that doesn't have enough workers, right? If, yeah. if you can't meet your targets without giving out, you know, time and a half, double time, sometimes triple time for these, uh, then, then you just simply have a lack of workers. And the idea that uh, the transition to EVs is going to immiserate all of these workers and lay them off, uh, maybe it'll just get these companies right size to the worker, the workforce that they actually have. Right. Uh, and in which case it would save them money because they wouldn't be paying time and a half and double time all this time. And they could stand to bring up their, their, their pay a little bit more. So um, I, I think that we're busting a lot of the myths that we see about the auto industry, about the EV transition in the tactics that we're seeing uh, the UAW take to fight for the rights. Yeah. I mean, what I loved about the video that we just played was the fact that Fain is basically saying, look, consumers are getting screwed too. look at the price of a new vehicle. Absolutely. They're going up. We've our our um, salaries have only gone up by six percent. Corp, you know, uh, CEO salaries have gone up by like 40 percent, 30 percent, even just in the last few years. Um, so I love that. It's like, where's the actual cost coming from? But let's talk about that EV thing, because mm -hmm. the narrative you're seeing from a lot of news media is, well, this strike isn't going anywhere because everyone's pivoting to EV um, or an EV. Yeah, takes less workers um, or you have people like J.D. Vance and Josh Hawley, you know, who are tweeting out like um, the EV supply chains are heavily concentrated in China and the Biden administration sends billions to that industry every year. Oh, basically blaming Biden for his, you know, uh, climate friendly or friendlier policies even though, and you can bust this myth, um, they actually take China out of the equation, maybe at our detriment. But um, why all the scaremongering around EVs? And what do, you, what do you understand is fact? And what do you understand is fiction from that? Right. So, um, you know, in the Inflation Reduction Act, we had this uh, incredible amount of support given to uh, domestic manufacturing. Uh, trying to build up that supply chain that is in some ways dependent on China, particularly uh, around EV batteries. Um, there's, there's money available for battery factories, money available for retooling factories in the United States. There's money available to consumers, uh, $7,500 for American-made vehicles. Uh, that has been diminish somewhat because if you lease, you can get any car that's made anywhere. Um, uh, so they've, they've, they've tweaked uh, uh, those rules a little bit to, uh, because we're not yet up to speed on making all the cars that uh, people want sure. in the United States. But um, uh, to, the, to my view of it, uh, and if you combine that with the CHIPS Act, which uh, is trying to get the semiconductors, which a lot of which go into these vehicles, also mm -hmm. made in the United States, the attempt is really to onshore that uh, those set of industries and to uh, make sure that uh, the benefits of this transition, which everyone all over the world is going through, uh, some of those benefits rebound to American workers in particular. Mm -hmm. Now, there were 
uh, other aspects of uh, this that were put into initial drafts of the bill that were taken out. Thank you, Joe Manchin. And the biggest <laughs> one is that there was going to be an extra $4,000 of consumer rebate for EVs that were made in the United States by unionized workers. Oh, that yeah. was going to be the, the, the thing that tipped the scales that would help uh, uh, you know, the UAW uh, in, their, in their various fights. Uh, that was taken out at the last minute. So we don't have that. And the auto companies, the big three, are facing this imbalance. I mean, you, we, we yeah. do have to establish that, right? I mean, Tesla has a virulently non-union workforce. Right. Uh, many of the auto plants that were put together in the South, Volkswagen, uh, my EV, uh, the Volkswagen uh, ID4 is made in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but it's made by non-union workers. Uh, uh, Nissan, Hyundai, Rivian, all non-union. Uh, Tesla kind of set the standard for that uh, over a decade ago when they were given billions and billions of dollars in loans by the U.S. government without any conditions attached, without right. the condition of that you have to do union neutrality in an election or anything like that. So, uh, you know, the, the, the auto companies are kind of in a, a, a bit of a bind. What we can say is that whatever shakes out with this contract, uh, it, it might help uh, advance uh, unionization at some of these non-union plants. And where this is really happening is in what are called joint ventures between the big three automakers and battery makers, usually farm battery makers. Um, uh, one of them is called Ultium Cells. That's between LG and uh, General Motors. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is, uh, I believe it's called SK On Battery with Ford. And there are other ones as well. Um, so these are companies that are joint ventures between the automakers, U.S. automakers and foreign battery makers to make battery plants in the United States. However, those contracts are not, uh, if they are union factories, those factories are not covered by the big three master agreement contract. Right. And uh, uh, they, they don't pay very well. Uh, the starting salary at Ultium Cells until a few weeks ago was $16 an hour. Now, and this is when when yeah. they talk about the two tiers within the um, the auto. Well, industry. I mean, there's separate two tiers, uh, separate separate subjects, and we can get to that. Okay. Um, yeah. Basically, the initial two tier was after the financial crisis when we rescued the auto industry, and as a concession, the UAW said, "Okay, you can hire new employees at less pay than the wage scale of uh, the the existing employees. So not and only that, they got the bailout, but then they got sort of this sort of very right. long burn of undermining the industry. And that hasn't changed so in 15 years. Part of now, that was to make them competitive, which is what that they're was the idea. With that the, was their with argument. The, with the with the electric yeah. cars too is that like now but now these record profits are on that's right not electric position. cars yeah they're on they're on other vehicles about 40 percent of all u.s vehicles come from the big three only about 18 percent of electric vehicles come from the big three so right. uh clearly they are still making their bacon off of you know heavy duty trucks SUVs, light duty yeah. trucks suvs yeah. um so in the talks it seems like the 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 big three are willing to relent on that initial two tier that's because mm. they're creating a new two tier right and and the new tiers are through these joint ventures saying that oh electric vehicle assembly that's not covered by the contract that's a new thing it's very similar to the writer's strike actually saying yeah uh, streaming yep. video that's a different uh, yeah. industry that's a different subject we have to negotiate that separately 
And that that's what kind of here. what's going on. <laughs> that's kind of what's going on in the audience. We range. gave them concessions to make streaming profitable. And then the, the joke of it all is streaming isn't profitable. Right. And <laughs> nobody can figure out how to make that business profitable whatsoever. So Because um, when you don't pay your workers, it's not profitable. <laughs> well, and you, you also don't give any information to your workers on what, what is good and what is bad. You actually give no data on what is a popular show and an unpopular show. And so yep, there's yeah. no way to actually say, Oh, okay. For this popular show, you get this royalty. Well, actually, we control all the data. Um, right. But it, but I digress. Uh, so <laughs> um, uh, when you're talking about the auto industry, then uh, what will have happen is you'll have one wage scale for internal combustion engines, and another one for electric vehicles, and that will ultimately be uh, probably lower. And then they're fighting with non-union EV companies yes. like Tesla, like Rivian who uh, uh, are trying to push that even further down the line. So I mean, and it's I just, a difficult this is, situation. Yeah, and it, yeah. we just talked about this climate stuff, you know, the mm -hmm. climate march and these talks, and you heard AOC saying, you know, we're talking about a just transition and right. um, that, like, centers the working class. And this has been the whole thing is the right and any, you know, fossil fuel companies pitting, you know, workers against saving the environment, against things like EVs. You know, these are the same companies that tried to kill the electric car, right? These are the same companies that were resistant. These are the companies that, you know, were trying to pull the wool over our eyes. And now they're like, oh, it's so expensive. Um, <laughs> and yet you're having them directly pit green energy policies against union jobs, as you just laid out. Yeah. And so I think it is still sad. Look, I'm not saying the Inflation Reduction Act didn't like do something it's got it's got a lot there it's great rebates it's good but the, it is sad that even just like the thing that got stripped out was yet another rebate versus no 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 see anyone who's getting any money is going to have to be union sorry right. that them's the rules right i mean yeah. basically what we have because that would make it competitive that would make them competitive and that is what their problem is yeah. or what right. they're worried about what we have in the ira is uh there are benefits for uh, prevailing wages and things like that on the construction side. Mm. So constructing facilities, you get a boost uh, if your, uh, your workforce uh, is paid basically at the level of union wages. So it's like an incentive structure though still, there is right? An incentive, like yeah, within that. Um, right. At the operations level of actually you know, producing, uh, once the, the, the facility is complete, there's nothing. Uh, there, there, there are mm. no real conditions. The, the, the Biden administration's tried to sort of on the back end put them in specifically for things that have grants and loans, not mm. things that go through the tax code. But if you have a grant, they say, OK, we're setting up this grant and we're going to give you more money if you uh, or, or we're going to give you greater consideration to get a chunk of this money, I should say, if you have a unionized workforce or if you say that you're you're you know, you if they're the workers want to do a union election that you'll remain neutral. This actually succeeded in one area. Uh, the EPA gave grants for electric buses. There was a bus uh, factory down in uh, Georgia uh, called Bluebird. Um, there was a, a existing unionization effort there. Uh, the EPA grant conditioned the money on you can't use any of this money to bust the union. Uh, the Bluebird took that grant, didn't use any of the money to bust the union and the union election was successful. Now they're still working on their first contract, but sure. those are the kinds of things that the administration can do. It's, it's more sort of nudges, right? Saying, right. look, if you 
if you show that you're going to do right by your workers and going to create good jobs, will give you greater consideration to actually get this money. And mm -hmm. uh, so they're kind of doing what they can. They're hemmed in by the limitations of the law, the fact that so much of it goes to the tax code. Um, but I, I think there are ways in which they, uh, they do get it um, and understand mm -hmm. the, the, the best way to move this thing forward. Because ultimately, if they don't do this, and if, they, if we're just trading $17 an hour jobs at McDonald's for $17 an hour jobs at the U, at, at, at unionized or, or non-unionized electric vehicle plants, uh, we're not going to get the buy-in that you actually are going to need to build the coalition to keep these investments flowing. Because these investments will ultimately, over time, reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And uh, certainly the powerful industries that support Republicans do not want that to happen. Yeah. And they're uh, ready, willing, and able if they get uh, the presidency in 2024 to, to roll back all of these uh, various investments. And only if that's taking something away from people, if it's taking away a crappy job that could be replaced with another crappy job, you're not going to get the pushback uh, that would enable this very important and critical if for the future of the planet set of investments to be maintained. I think that's what a lot of people miss. Yeah. It's just so bad faith because you see these just back to the like pitting people against one another, like all these headlines that are like, yeah. that are, you know, Elon's going to win. Elon's winning the strike. Elon's winning. It's just like, <laughs> it, it is all this race to the bottom politics of like, well, that's what happens when you ask for too much and you shouldn't stand up and you shouldn't go on strike uh, because well, I mean, Elon's uh, going to win. People think that that looks poorly on the workers. It clearly looks poorly on these companies. I mean, these, these companies have completely mismanaged themselves to the degree that they didn't yep. pounce on the electric vehicle revolution when it came, when they had the yep. chance, number one. Number two, they it. have uh, diminished their workforce to the degree that they're paying out overtime willy-nilly to everybody just to keep up with demand. Three, right. they've, they've made a lot of their bets on gas-guzzling vehicles, high uh, uh, you know, vehicles like the Hummer, vehicles like uh, uh, the SUV, uh, you know, suburban mom kind of vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, four, they've, uh, when, when these EV benefits came forward, they, they, they did nothing to support any kind of effort uh, that their workers and their workforce was trying to put together to, to you know, make sure that those were prosperous jobs. And now five, uh, they moved all their money into buybacks uh, that benefited executives who make giant salaries. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of sympathy for the big three at this point. They seem to be making tons of money. Uh, they, they, they seem to be benefiting the uh, executives far more than the workers. So the idea that they might lose out on this transition to Tesla, it's like, well, they created that problem themselves. Yeah. It's, I, it's also similar to like what got them in, you know, the workers have done these concessions because of oh, back in the 80s or 90s, I guess it was, when when uh, foreign cars became better than American cars. And then uh, so they started to become not competitive. And so then suddenly paying your workers um, a good living wage wasn't um, economically viable because they simply weren't making good cars, which is like not the fault of the the. And then the person. suburban came out, and all was and, well. <laughs> yeah, but people but the, love the average it. wage at UAW is uh, basically been cut over the last forty years, relative, you know, if you adjust for inflation. I mean, the, the, these right, these jobs used to be 
jobs that on a single salary, you could buy a house, you could, you could, you know, raise a family, et cetera. These jobs now, uh, some of these temp jobs are as low, as I said, as $16 an hour. Uh, they're backbreaking jobs. I mean, we know that, right? So, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the fact that you're also not being compensated for them is, is doubly uh, awful. I mean, in the initial stages of automobile production, Henry Ford made the insight that if I pay my workers uh, so that they can buy one of these vehicles, then I'll have a consumer base for these vehicles. And that was brought forward further by, you know, Walter Ruther during- And he was uh, a Nazi. Yeah, exactly. So so to, use a, to use a more admirable comparison, Walter Ruther during, uh, you know, was ahead of the UAW in the 1940s and 50s. Uh, he, he actually tried to build into his agreement uh, we have a piece on this, actually, that went up this week uh, in the late 1940s to make sure that our wages as as auto workers rise without raising the cost of the vehicles. Uh, that was important mm. to him, that 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 it was purchasing power and cost of living that was just as important to these workers as it was, uh, uh, you know, their particular wages. And this is what helped build the middle class. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of this resonates, this, this particular strike resonates with a lot of people because auto workers are seen as, you know, it's not inherent that an auto worker job is a good job, right? It's right. like really hard to do. It's, uh, it, it, it exposes you to a bunch of toxicities. Uh, it doesn't have to be good as we're seeing uh, yeah. in these various non-union uh, other electric vehicle spaces. But uh, the reason that it's good is that workers use their collective power over the years and help build their own class. That's what needs. I mean, them. yeah. And the same with the writer. I just just two things. One, I want to say that Sean Fain, being the leader that he is, has not ex taken the bait to pit green policies and green energy against like good union jobs. Right. Um, uh, hello, Green New Deal eventually. Uh, but you know, I feel like he would be given how all this shakes out. But like, that's a partner, right? That's who you work with for the dream mm -hmm. or the green yeah. dream, as Nancy would say. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to also say that it is it's fitting. You know, you look at the writer strike and the, and the actor strike and and right the whole like advent of like people of color telling their own stories and being writers and whatnot. And then, I you know, you see some of these videos in the UAW and like in your mind, the auto worker back in yeah the 50s and 60s and 70s or whatever is like, you know, a white guy, a man feeding his whole family on this salary. And now it's like a lot of women. A lot of women of color, a lot of mm -hmm. people of color. Mm -hmm. And it is, let us remember, it's not a coincidence that these jobs have been made more precarious and undermined because of who is making up these the working class, which are people of color, which are women, you know? Um, and that goes in a place like Hollywood, but then also in, you know, places like uh, auto manufacturing. And, and look, I think we should say more broadly that this, uh, you know, Sean Fain likes to call this a defining moment uh, for his union, this is a defining moment for Biden and, mm. uh, and, and what has become known as Bidenomics. He has staked his claim on this idea that we can rebuild domestic capacity, uh, cut carbon emissions, and make them good jobs simultaneously. This is a yeah. prime text case of I that proposition. In it. I believe it. I was going to I mean, you. I just, yeah. I do think that it's like you need, it, it, you have to have people 
living a life that you can overlord. If you want to continue to be a billionaire <laughs> and a person in power, you, you have to have people that you're in power over. They have to be able to exist. You don't need people who've to... got ashes. Have I told you about the ashes yet? <laughs> David, I was going to ask you about Bidenomics. Like, you know, Bidenomics gets thrown around as like negative from the right, maybe positive. I don't know if he's going to incorporate that into his campaign run uh if he shirks all these you're too old accusations that are suddenly flying coming out the woodwork yeah. um but yeah how do you characterize bidenomics i guess you just said it but do you feel like it is tenable at this moment in our in sort of the american economy being what it is and like climate being what it is and income inequality being what it is is this kind of, kind of a pipe dream to sort of thread the needle and have these sort of reforms i don't know that's just my sense like, i mean i i think there's no reason that we can't do it um mm. that there's enough uh certainly uh loads of money in terms of these subsidies what we've seen in the last year is manufacturing construction and that's really what the stage we're at takes some time to build these factories but manufacturing construction has gone up fourfold since the investments announced in the Inflation Reduction Act and the CHIPS bill. Um, we, we've, we've, we've definitely seen uh, private sector commitments. So like money not being laid out by the government, but the private sector has committed hundreds of billions of dollars to this transition. So I, I think there is a sense that we are moving on this. The mm -hmm. question is, who's going to benefit? Is it just going to be these companies uh, their consultants, their executives, uh, their investors, or are workers going to get a piece of this transition? That is sort of the, the threshold question. The other, the other side to this and another side to Bidenomics is uh, the, the fight against concentrated corporate power. We're seeing that at the level, you know, this week is the second week of the U.S. versus Google trial, where Google is being sued by the U.S. government uh, because it is a monopoly and it, it took, basically it paid Apple and uh, your Firefox browser and all these other companies to be the default setting on your, so like if you open no, up No, it did not Firefox, iPhone, don't taint yes, that. Yes, they, I gotta take that away from you, I'm sorry. Um, uh, they, if you see that pop up on your phone or on your browser. Bought and sold, that uh, dude, they paid him money to disappear. His was out, he was <laughs> like, out price. Hell yeah, I've been a butler my whole life. Yeah, but we're talking about $20 billion a year, Google is paying for that privilege. <laughs> And, wow. uh, and they're saying, well, we're just the best. And so why did you pay $20 billion to be in that preset section if you're just the best? But the point is that this ref reflects a new aggressiveness on the part of Lena Khan at the Federal mm -hmm. Trade Commission, on mm -hmm. the part of uh, Jonathan Cantor, who's the head of the antitrust division at the Justice Department, which is waging this case against Google, to uh, say that um, and they're, 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 they're using a, a really new conception of uh, antitrust legislation, saying that it's not just about prices, although prices are a big part of it, and we obviously want to make things more affordable, but it's also about how concentration and monopoly affects workers, about mm -hmm. how it affects uh, uh, partners or, or, or rivals or entrepreneurs who are trying to innovate. Um, so uh, that's another piece of the puzzle here. I think. And um, uh, so the it's problem is- It's a huge is, piece. That is, the, we need to make I mean, them scared, here's a the little scared. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that you can't talk about the government or the administration as if it's one thing. 
It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a, a mass of thousands of people, some of which are working at complete cross purposes with one another. And uh, I think that's especially so in this administration where Biden, uh, even, even years and decades going back, is a procrastinator, is not someone who uh, always uh, has like a full agenda laid out and, and just sort of lets people freelance and do their own thing. Uh, we're seeing that, you know, we, I can name 20 examples of really good things the Biden administration is doing and 20 really bad things. And sometimes right. in the same agency, right? So uh, there's, a, there's not a coherent plan. There's not like a coherent message. And I think one of the reasons, I mean, there are many reasons we can talk about them, but one of the reasons why we're seeing so much labor unrest is that the, the uh, I mean, at one sense, the, the Biden labor people have facilitated that. They've uh, made it easier uh, by an, a ruling just in the last month to, to actually form a union. Uh, they have, uh, you know, provided a lot of support to uh, Starbucks and, and, and those campaigns. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, uh, workers are taking it into their own hands because there is a, sort of a lack of agency and a lack of leadership on the part of government. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, you know, there, there have been these uh, various stories about uh, talking to workers at UAW and saying, well, Biden came out and said that the workers deserve their fair share. It wasn't that great. And they said, Democrats haven't done anything for me in 20 years. Uh, yeah. I can't even afford my electric bill. I can't afford my, to buy a house. Uh, right. You know, I feel like I'm out here alone. And the yeah. only thing I have is the union. And I think that's a sentiment that's broadly shared across. Amen. That's huge. I mean, and it reminds me, it's not the same, but we are around the anniversary of, of Occupy Wall Street. It reminds me of the mm -hmm. attitude going into the reelection of Obama. Um, you asked, I remember a lot of media would like ask kids on the street, kids, people <laughs> who were part of this massive movement. <laughs> or kids. But they, kids. They, I'm but, sure they had an opinion as well. I mean, they were, yeah, they were, these were young college grads with nothing, with very little and coming out of this, you know, the great recession. And, and they were asked about Obama and they'd be like, I don't know, man. Like it was just a lot of like, like he's over there. It's been four years. We don't see promises. Income inequality is insane. Um, there's no, f we feel like our future. I mean, we just talked about like 4% of <laughs> Gen Z feel like there's hope. <laughs> like, right. it's like, you know, and so it kind of is the same thing. I, it reminds I me, mean, Obama was reelected. I think Biden can do it again in terms of winning. Mm -hmm. right. But I don't think you're going well, to see the energy of that you did in 2020. There's a sense of catastrophe. I mean, it's like, well, if it's if you would, it's him because if it's not him, we all die. Right. <laughs> you know, the mean, resignation like, to it. Yeah. yeah but the, I mean, but, I th I think if you're if you're asking about you know, well, why is there this sort of upset? Why is there this anger? Why is there this uh, disappointment? Uh, there's two things I think we have to think about. The first is that. Uh, we have seen a reduction in inflation. However, that just means that it's a reduction in the rate of acceleration of rising prices. It doesn't mean that the increase in those prices went away. And uh, the, the, the fact that the way the media presents it as, oh, it was 5.2 and now it's 4.8, it just means that things were, instead of being going from $16 to $20, they went to 17 and yeah. uh, that's still, you know, difficult for people, particularly in things like housing. Uh, the second thing is that uh, during the pandemic, 
we created this pop-up safety net. You mentioned checks before very briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, we had that. We had boosted unemployment. In 2021, during the American Rescue Plan, we had the uh, child tax credit extension, which came out it. every month. I uh, yeah, up. you did. Sucker. I, did. I would just so. Yeah, Aaron, you got it. Damn it. Double. Yeah. Um, and then that all went away. And yeah. we actually got poverty yeah. statistics last week. And what they show is they're like a U shape. So in 2019, they're here. Here we go. And uh, then poverty goes way, way down in, uh, I can't do it because it's the opposite side of me. Um, and then it goes way back up again. Because we uh, kind of had universal income. We for had it for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after and it, it went away, the poverty statistics went right back to where they were in 2019. And it's almost like people, I think, would have been less frustrated, people affected by that, would have been less frustrated if nothing happened like that. If it was just even, there was sort of this grindingly slow improvement in poverty statistics, but they saw the better world and then it was ripped away from them. Yeah. Right. And the people who saw that better world are disproportionately younger because they have less money. They're disproportionately non-white because they correlate with people in poverty. And they're disproportionately sort of the base of the Democratic Party in many ways. So uh, it's not surprising why even uh, what would be called Biden's own base is frustrated uh, yeah. with this economy. And it's going to take some time for that to be repaired. Absolutely. And then lastly, I think to me, like, and this is always debated in Democratic circles. I think some centrist Dems think this is not the case, but, you know, the energy of the George Floyd protests and the BLM movement absolutely translated into the election. Nobody was excited about Biden in 2020. And then the fucking police state came out and tried to kill people while they were marching. And everyone was like, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was and nothing's been done, right? Like nothing on that front um, when it comes to criminal justice reform. Yeah, I said reform, <laughs> you know, like no one's talking about defund, well me, right. you know, and so and so that I think is also, it's gonna be another squeaker, David, I think, was, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate, yes, the remembering the positive, but also remembering, yeah, this is, this is a little bit of a rudderless administration that is drifting towards good things. Um, well, and the I other thing is that Biden's so bottled up, they won't let him say two words because they're afraid he's going to say something crazy that uh, they they have hermetically sealed this administration. I read the book, uh, The Last Politician by Franklin Foer, which just came out a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And it tells the story because it's an inside story. <laughs> and it tells the story of Biden uh, where he is like really energetic in meetings and directing things and coming up with strategies and all this. And it's kind of like the old SNL sketch where Ronald Reagan is a mastermind uh, in public. So they're like, they're holding like him down. having uh, uh, Girl Scout cookie events with uh, the, the whoever sold the most <laughs> cookies. And then, uh, you know, when that person leaves the room, it's like back to work. And, uh, you know, he's 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 masterminding Iran-Contra. Like that was the disconnect that reading this book felt like because they have completely taken Biden out of the public eye. They do not want to expose him to interviews. They don't want to expose him to, uh, you know, uh, any kind of unscripted setting. And I feel like we had four years of Trump where he was all unscripted setting. And, and it, the, it, it was this illusion of activity when he wasn't actually doing anything. 
But because he was everywhere and talking a lot and tweeting a lot, you thought stuff, stuff was going on. Right. And now this is the opposite of that. Right. You, know? you, you think nothing's going on because you never actually, see the president. And I'm yet there actually like, is a lot going on. Right. So I'm, I'm realizing that's been psychologically effective for me. I'm like, oh, he's busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. He's working. And that's why I'm not seeing a bunch of. Totally. I think to a lot of people, it creates this like vacuum. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we're like, yeah, I call him a rebound president. Um, and he's just a warm body, but you need him to like, you know, like speak. He's not like and being up for the task of, of being president is different than being up for the task of campaigning for president. Those are two different skill sets. And, uh, in 2020, he didn't have to do a lot of that campaigning because we were all locked down. Yeah, uh, he was. In, it was like a, a basement campaign, and uh, you know this time is going to be different, and we got to see if he's uh, available, able, and so, uh, if not, who who can help? Are they kind of like Munchausen by proxying him? Like, are they like keeping? Him <laughs> well, they're like, look at what happened to Mitch McConnell. You don't want to be standing out there and go blank. I think they're worried like- about that, but I think they're more worried about him just making a gaffe. Uh, which is yeah. his entire history. I think it's a reasonable is, is, concern. Is, it's not unreasonable, but at some point you got to kind of take the good with the bad. Exactly. You get the you get the fire, and then you get the you know the whatever the like the, the brain yeah, farts. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, think that's it's the price saying, you pay for actually having a present a president who's present. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. Like every single zinger is also kind of scripted, right? Like we've seen when he does speeches and he's like, infrastructure week used to be a punchline. Now it's, what is it? What was the, I can't even remember. Now it's like the main line or now whatever. Like it's a headline. Oh, it's a headline. There we go. Used to be a punchline. Now it's a headline. It's like, that's a great line. It was also scripted for you. Just let him, let it, let him roll. Let him do whatever he wants. Someone said that on this let Biden be Biden. Someone said that on this show, I don't think it was you, but someone else was just like, that was the best part of Biden. Him just kind of like, yeah, dog face pony soldier. Let's go, you know, like <laughs> say whatever you need to say. Well, I mean, and, yeah. interestingly, probably one of his high highest moments as president from a rhetorical standpoint is when he baited Republicans into having a debate about yes. Social Security during yes. the State of the Union. That wasn't scripted. Yes. And he, he proved to be, you know, he essentially took that off the table. And I yeah. think what happened since that State of the Union? There, there, there's, mm-hmm. he, that was the most populous State of the Union that we've heard in it's many, very, many years in yeah. February. And there's been no results from it. And interestingly, that was the last thing that Ron Klain did before he left as chief of staff. And we have this new guy, uh, Jeffrey Zients. Who's like a he's like a business guy. He's he's, he's yeah. Uh, so you know, I think that's a, a part of it too. He's not being. Uh, not it was Klein's last stand. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of sad. It seems like some of the, like the neoliberals are you know are winning the fight inside, like inside the administration. There's clearly push and pull between you know these shades of of blue or whatnot, and uh, yeah, that doesn't bode well um, for a second term. But we'll see. Um, David, Dan, God, this has been a wonderfully long and beautiful show. We didn't even talk about the shutdown. Do you want to just tell us what the hell is going to happen? We're going to shut down, I think, is what's going to happen. Yeah, get ready for it. October 1st. Don't go to your local national park. Oh, God damn it. Um, All because Kevin McCarthy is trying to. um, Yeah, he's afraid of his he's afraid of his far right. Uh, He thinks they're going to get rid of him if he 
partners with Democrats, which is the only way anything's going to get done. And everybody knows it in Washington. But there's these brainworms that hit leadership in Washington where they think that, uh, oh, but if we can just show leverage, if we can just show that 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 we can pass something and they can't. And it's just all nonsense. Like nobody is going to uh, the, the only way that you're going to uh, move this forward is by just saying, OK, we'll fund the government for a few weeks and we'll keep working on it. Uh, that's the only thing that's going to pass that uh, the Freedom Caucus doesn't want that. They want to make cuts immediately. And nobody's going to agree with that in the Senate, which is controlled by Democrats and the White House, which is controlled by Democrats. And but they just want to piss on something and make their mark. Exactly. And, and uh, you know, so far, McCarthy hasn't shown himself being willing to break with them. No, he is. He's a doggy pee pet. Um, all right. Well, TBD, <laughs> we have one more segment and I am going to let you go, David. Thank you so much. David Dan, executive editor of The Prospect, which I contribute to. Everybody, yes. you know what it is. Um, we've got we've got a good one coming on fall trends for uh, for the fall season. <laughs> I did write more for that, but <laughs> reduced. But it um, looks good. Good. That's all that matters. Everybody, and get the gonna... prospect. Get it in your hot little hands, you guys. It's fun to read. You know what I mean? Like, in, in like weeks, actually, we're going to do this thing in uh, in Palm Springs. Was where I'm at right now. Actually. Let's do that. Um, I can tell by the the structure of the ceiling. You behind the shape of the light. It's just too nice. More to come on that. More to come. Mid-century modern. All right, David Dan. Thank you so much. Take good care, everybody. The American Prospect is where you go to read. David's got pieces out every single week, as well as a lot of UAW coverage. If any of that was like, you know, it was a lot. But uh, Aaron, we've got one more segment. Can you have 20 minutes or, or not 20? Do you have five to seven? Five. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Why did I say then 20? I, I was just like. Then I have to bring cleats to my 14-year-old. Oh, bring cleats to your 14-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do this. So. You know, the classic. I don't know if you knew this, but people who are not Drew Barrymore and Bill Maher, uh, actors, uh, famous actors, have been auctioning off different things um, during the strike uh, for money in order to raise strike funds to help writers and actors who are out of work. This is amazing, right? There are also stand-ups are going on tour. You know, uh, John Oliver is is touring and raising money for his writing staff. Um, but there are a lot of Nicole Kidman, John Lithgow are auctioning off Zooms. Um, artwork to aid crew members amid Hollywood strikes. I believe, um, what's his name? Uh, Adam guy from severance. Oh. Adam Scott is auctioning off walking your dog. He will walk your dog. Yes. Honestly would love that. <laughs> um, let's see how much it's up to. Um, this was four days ago though. So I don't know if how, okay. eBay auction. There's a lot of these. Okay. Virtual story basic session with Spike Jones and Lena Dunham now going for $5,100. Well, um, I would pay, I would pay 5,100 to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha Leone will help you solve the New York times crossword for 6,100. Okay. Um, virtual hangout with the bones cast, Emily, David, Michaela and Tamara. Oh, I know Michaela. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's a uh, watercolor portrait of your dog by John Lithgow. <laughs> See, that's what I'm looking for. Some, the stupider, the better, because that sort of acknowledges um, entertainment's role in 
society. Exactly. Like, exactly. That's, that's on par. Uh, that's going now. It's uh, $4,450. Um, let's see. Pottery class with Busy Phillips, $3,500. This is I, this I love. Mortal Kombat sesh uh, between you and Kumail uh, Nanjani. <laughs> and, and his wife, Emily. Oh, Emily's Emily. commenting. So that's $1,200 now, which is so So great. you play versus Kumail and then Emily. Emily. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I love that one. That's um, a good one. 20 questions Zoom with Sarah Silverman. She says, don't make it weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Adam Scott dog walk is up to $3,000. This is great. I love that one. Okay, so I'm asking you guys, everybody, what would you want? What would you pay for? What would you shell out money for? This is solidarity bidding. I want Colin Farrell. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> no, I just want to watch just, period. just what? <laughs> just want Colin Farrell. I just want Colin Farrell, please. <laughs> um, I, I think it'd be very funny if he like narrated my life. You know what I mean? Like if I, if when I woke up and like, fed the baby and like made her breakfast and played with her and i just want him narrating all the things that i do there she goes <laughs> she's terrific breakfast this terrific is oatmeal again <laughs> oatmeal again good choice <laughs> good choice i love that she hasn't had That's time to shower one. yet like just like and like it just would it's a sense of appreciation of all the things that i do around the house you know all that she's yeah. oh well she's done her, down a rabbit hole on her on her phone <laughs> <laughs> well, she looks like she's scrolling Instagram. Um, like, also, but I just the real thing that I've been loving is watching all these actors like get not for lack of a better term get woke, but like talk about like the class war, and it's just like, ugh, I love that shit. So yeah, I want Colin Farrell to uh, narrate my life, but uh, and I'm trying to think of other things. What would you want? That's a good one. Um, okay, not having thought about this previously, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I feel like I would want like Eva Mendez and Ryan Gosling <laughs> to fuck would, in front of you. <laughs> absolutely. I would pay top dollar for that. But also to like, if I could sort of vote on like a mild marital argument between them, I would love that. If I could like settle uh, a, a family discussion dispute, I just, I don't know that they have them, which could be an issue. <laughs> Um, I, or if I could just like pretend to be one of their kids, like that would be <laughs> soothing. If they make you breakfast and stuff and like get you ready yes. for school. Yeah. Like completely. And they have to role play completely like what they do in the morning for their kids. That's what I want. <laughs> no. And I sit in like a strap had, into the, they don't do they, shit. I, sit, sh I think they might. They, they might. Nice. They might. I want to sit strapped onto the counter, like you know a baby does, like in a mm -hmm. little chair that's strapped to the counter, and I want them to bring me, um, like you know, different uh, bowls of food, fruit, yeah, yeah, like fruit. different cut up <laughs> for me to uh, gum. <laughs> I'd pay a lot for that fantasy. I just want to be your kid for a morning. <laughs> how soothing would it be? I, I love how we You're... are relatively normal people, you and I. I'm just gonna say we're relatively. And like our brains immediately went weird. Like, I want to be your kid. I want you to sit in the corner and narrate my life. Like, I, there's no way. That... I did start with marital argument, which I love. The marital argument I just, I'm is I'm worried funny. they don't have them. I know. 
Well, here's what's weird. She wasn't on the red carpet with him at any of the Barbie premieres. What? I think she's busy, like, with their family. <laughs> I think, I speaking know. of Munchausen's, I think he's keeping her, he's keeping her on lock. It's like, there was like, maybe he's like, oh, I don't want to b- burst the bubble that he's a good person. Um, but as oh, we've all learned after Lizzo. right now. Every Did single person think you she think was a good person. Good. She already had a scandal early on that I, I had heard about. There was like a scandal that she stole a song like right out of the gate when she oh, first became famous, and it was shit. like not even if you didn't steal the song, it's like concerning that there were like the people that you worked with as you came up are not thrilled with you. Like that sure, doesn't sure, look sure. great. Sure, um, sure. And that was early. So I don't know. Maybe I was just like on the pulse of the Lizzo. Pulse, you were on the I was pulse. Sort of like. <laughs> You were clearly on them. So I saw it first. There were too many white women loving her for it to not be. Well, like... that's very true. Every time white women love something, just, we don't have a good track record. <laughs> um, Aaron Dewey Lennox, you're wonderful. You're great. Um, we got wonky. We got real. Where can people find you? Um, find like me your on home address. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> find me on Instagram. Find me on Venmo. Just hit me oh, up. Yeah. I am on strike. Um, Aaron What's Dewey Lennox, uh, Aaron Dewey Lennox on all, on all platforms. I Aaron keep Dewey Lennox, kick some bucks in. This is a writer on strike. <laughs> um, and, and a comic and a wonderful comic and, um, host the, a bi-monthly show in Frogtown in Los Angeles. If you were there. Yes. That Francesca does all the time. It is so funny yet. So please come. Yeah. I had a great time. It's a, it's such a good show. Um, so follow Aaron on all the things, come back very soon and good luck with, um, beating Billy, uh, and the marathon, um, take good care. And I love all y'all for sticking around and for sending in your super chats and your comments. I'm going to read some of them right now. Um, not a lot of super chats going to be 100% with y'all there. There is, however, Camperman 5,000, who is a member says, uh, now you can't buy a car on a single salary. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of, uh, a time when you could actually buy the thing you were making. Um, C-Man Assassin 420 on Twitch says, Franny, it's been a while since I've had time to watch the Bituation Room live. Always love seeing you on TYT, though. Hope the little one is happy and healthy. Thank you. Look, first of all, this is where I shine, baby. TYT, it's all an act. It's a ruse. This, this is the real me, people. It's where it is. The juice. Tuesdays and Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, Ma's art parenting isn't enough of endurance of an endurance sport. That's what I'm saying. And to Christina Elisa Brown saying you can do yoga stretches before bed, five to ten minutes. I know, girl. I'm the queen of yoga. You know, I of course I do yoga. And of course, but it's like the more like atrophied your body gets, the more you're like, I'm not deserving of stretch. Like you start to just kind of, eh, you know. Um, but yeah, before bed is always hard for me. I like first thing when I wake up, but usually first thing when I wake up is just the baby going, ah, come get me. Um, J rock 420 Congress square burlap sacks for all I care. What I'd like from them is to carry out the will of the people. Indeed. Um, Christo Stefan, you're owed a living for your work. Indeed you are. Um, shade dragon. That's an excellent quote by Francesca. Never underestimate a rich person's desire to rule over ashes yeah put that on a mug um let's see i'm peachy don't waste your money or incur debt on a new car at all unless it's gifted and comes with an ironclad lifetime guarantee which won't happen plus i will laugh at you cars are coffins agreed agreed i guess maybe leasing is also dumb can we realize leasing is a lot of money i've leased a car i did get a california rebate i leased a uh electric smart car people that's right beep beep 
get out of my way. Um, oops. Oops. Um, TJ, TJ Diamond 26. We have to fight so hard for our rights. We have shitty benefits and that's that they keep taking away. Indeed. Lenny Powers. I hope to live long enough to see the day AOC is considered a centrist because we've moved left enough. Yes. Or president. I would love that. Um, thank you guys so much for being here. And with that, let's thank everybody properly, very briefly with lay fart song. Oh, by the way, this is for patrons. 10 bucks or more. You know what it is. Thank you so much for the people who up their pledge. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Gail R., you're amazing. Thank you. Brian's Kerr, thank you. Bigfoot, welcome. Todd Roy, what's up, Todd? Welcome again to the Patreon. Zach, thank you so much for upping your tip. And I believe Abdul K., thank you for your tip. I think it's because every time I do... Every time I do a Greta impersonation, I just thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, and Clarence Passion, thank you so much for that tip. Uh, Venmo TBR-Live, Cash App TBR-Live. I believe maybe a tip just came in while I was busy. Hello, wait, wait for it. I don't actually get a lot of tips ever, so I'm very, very excited. It was probably like, it's probably not. I don't know what. Hang on one second. Wait, hang on, hang on. Hell yeah. Jonathan Cook, thank you so much. And John Little, thank you so much. Appreciate you. We stream every Tuesday and Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. The bonus bish is Friday. Our producer is Paige Omek. Maximilian Inhoff and Andy Vasoyan work on the show, and they do such great work. Thank you so much. And follow the show on all the things. Twitter pod uh, on uh, Twitter pod. Bituation pod on Twitter. Bituation room on TikTok and Instagram when I remember to update it, uh, I'm at Franny Fio. Remember, send in your voicemails, you guys. Send in your little voicemails. Let me know what you're thinking. 626-921-6045, 626-921-6045. What do you like about the show? What do you not like about the show? Don't tell me that. I don't care. Also, Matt and I are going to be live at the Punchline in San Francisco, Tuesday, October 17th. Get tickets. They're in the link right there. Um... Tickets are already selling, which is great. So Frantifa, Dragon Squad, TYT fam, anybody else, wherever you know me from, the piggies of the pod of the Frotcast, uh, and pod yourself the wire and pod yourself a gun. Come out. It's going to be really fun. Co-headlining. Um, and no, the baby won't be there. I'm sorry in advance. Uh, have a great few days. See you Friday. Uh, fight the power and fuck the patriarchy. And don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Love you all. Mm-hmm.